0: We have finally reached the dog days of the NHL offseason, and this show is going to be a short one. Hello, everyone. My name is Mario Russo. Joining me for episode 25 of the Leaf Line podcast is none other than Joshua Levesque and Ada McCullough. Michael Iaboni will be absent for the duration of the show. He is, as I know right now, taking pictures uh, for Hello, his Dad. baseball team, Vaughn Vikings, baby. Uh, let's get it. But, you know, we got a lot of uh, things to talk about, and our headliner for tonight's show is... Thomas Tatar, of all things. That's when you know the NHL uh, is in a bit of the mud here. We got Tatar. We got Nurse signing a big contract in Edmonton. We'll dissect that. And some key storylines to follow in the 2021 season. It's going to be an interesting one. Lots of new things to come, such as the Seattle Kraken. Will they outweigh the race to the Atlantic Division? That fourth-place spot is up for grabs, and it's going to be a dogfight for that spot. Does that outweigh the storyline of the Seattle Kraken? We'll be getting into that and just analyzing – what we'll be looking forward to this 2021 offseason. Of course, our hot take segment of the show will conclude the matters for episode 25 of the podcast. But to kick things off, we'll quickly dive into Thomas Tatar. One of the top remaining free agents available has been scratched off the board, uh, signing a two-year, nine-million deal, 4.5 AAV with the New Jersey Devils. And he's going to fit well in that top six role with Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes, depending on which player uh the New Jersey Devils want to suit him up with. Uh, he had 30 points in 50 games with the Montreal Canadiens in 2021, but was a frequent healthy scratch during the Habs Cup run. I know, Josh, you could probably attest to this, obviously paying close attention to both Tom Tatar as well as this uh, Stanley Cup run that they, the Montreal Canadiens went on. Uh, just to quickly turn it over to you, what are your thoughts on Tatar? I know you've gotten a big glimpse of him over his three years in the Montreal Canadiens organization. What do you take from his game, and how can it impact the New Jersey Devils, his new place that he will be playing for?
1: Um, well, for starters, before I talk about him in general, uh, I noticed you brought up how he was scratched pretty often in the playoffs. I don't think that was because of performance or whatever. Obviously, I'm pretty sure he was injured for a little bit. And then Montreal went on a huge winning streak, as we all know, like uh, what they went seven straight. So from that point, when you went seven straight, I think it wasn't as much so of uh, Tatar not playing well It was more. So you're winning. So don't change what's not broken. But in terms of Tatar, um, I think he, I wouldn't say he underperformed because if you look at the line he was on, it's not a huge goal scoring line with uh, uh, Philip Deneau and Brendan Gallagher. It's not, it's not a huge scoring line. It's more of a defensive line, but the fact that he put up pretty, pretty good stats for playing on that line, that just kind of shows you what type of player he is. He ages very, very well. He's 30 years old. He's a good veteran and, I think he's gonna be a great. I think he's gonna be a great piece for the uh, the Devils. As a Habs fan, I am pretty sad to see him leave because I, I really liked him. Uh, he's he was always a he's a very skillful player, not very physical, but he's got a lot of skill. I think we all know that. Um, he's he's a great. Uh, he's obviously he's a veteran at this point, which is what the Devils need. But especially especially up front i think he's uh he's a, he's a, he's a very he's going to be on the first power play for the devils and i think he's going to be a very good addition and that's something that they needed to i mean complement everything that they have so far with all their young guys
0: yeah, and I mean, you mentioned his skill set, Thomas Tatar, uh, great player at his age of 30. I was actually surprised. I didn't know his age actually heading into this segment, but I can't believe he's 30. And the points that he keeps continuing to put up is ridiculous. But he's one of the most productive five on five offensive players in the league. And we've seen this over the last three seasons, especially with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that line with Deneau as well, uh, more of a defensive line, like you mentioned, Josh. But he was a pretty big anchor on that line. He was sort of the general offense for that line. Uh, Deneau, you know, he can't really you can't rely on him to put the puck in the back <laughs> of the net. But Tatar, he was always right then and there. He just he did score just ten goals on that top line. I think that top line for the Habs was a little more uh, architecture. Defensive. Yeah, that's Re- what I was. Realistic, to say.
1: Realistically, on any other team, it's like a third line because it's a defense. It's more of like a defending line. The only reason it was a first line is because like. You got like I, I, I don't know why it was the first line, but it's it's more of a defensive line. so it should have been the third or fourth line. but
0: yeah, you place it on any of the other team. they are gonna stack up obviously quite differently. Uh, this I think this is a great deal for Tom Tatar. He's making a decent value for the age that he is at two years by nine million. and the devils are getting a great player. He's obviously gonna be playing in that top six like I mentioned. And just a key goal scorer in general, I think the New Jersey Devils are on the up and coming rise here in the National Hockey League. I'll be getting into uh, the general view of that in just a little bit. But I'm going to turn this one over to you, Aiden, just to give you some spotlight here. What are your thoughts on the deal? And can we see Tatar hit 25 to 30 goals? Uh, and now that he's set as the devil's top goal scorer, now he was hitting 25 to 30 goals a couple years ago. He had one with the Habs and a couple with the Detroit Red Wings just before that. But will we see a reburst of confidence in Tatar and his goal scoring touch him being the sole proprietor of that goal scoring spot?
2: Um, I think 25 to 30 goals is a bit ambitious for Tatar. I mean, he's definitely a guy who can put the puck in the net consistently uh, he's a bit of a guy who's a streaky player. He has his, his hot games and his cold games like a lot of guys in the NHL, but that doesn't mean he can. he's still not successful. He's definitely one of the top guys in the league, as you said, 5-on-5. Five five. But 25 to 30 goals, I don't know about that I think with age any player will slowly start to decline in his play. I think he's still fresh up there. I think he'll be a consistent player in the top six for the Devils. Uh, he doesn't really do anything that flashy, really. He has a great shot. You know, he just does all the fundamentals just really well. And that that just helped him throughout the years make a great career for him in the NHL. So I think if you're looking at uh, Montreal's point of view from this signing here, I think Tatar wanted more than what Montreal was willing to give him, really, in a free agency. And I think Montreal, the bet did pay off because by seeing that the Habs are – a team that are really, um, they really stick to their glue guys, the guys that are the heart and soul players in the lineup. And the team really sticks to those guys. The fans love those guys. So seeing that, I'm sure that obviously had to do with uh, why David Savard and Mike Hoffman, two big free agents signed in Montreal. But and,
0: uh, Go on, I need to finish your topic here.
2: Yeah, overall, I'd say Montreal, the bet did pay off for them. I think Hoffman will be a better goal scorer for them on the power play, which is what they really need more of. So I think the the bet for Montreal did pay off and Tatar will also be a good fit in New Jersey.
0: And I mean, Tatar, I think we could have uh, concluded this from the playoffs perspective when he was a bit of a healthy scratch. Now, Josh, you mentioned he was injured. And of course, uh, at that time, the Montreal Canadiens were hot. They won seven straight, of course. And don't fix what you what ain't broken. That was what you mentioned. And I totally agree with that. And I think we sort of saw, like, Montreal's going to play, like you mentioned, Aiden. They're key guys, the guys that really keep this team together, instead of t- Thomas Tatar. Now, maybe Mike Hoffman might turn into that. Uh, I personally think Mike Hoffman's going to put up a lot more uh, points and goals than Tatar would on that first line. I think that first line this year, compared to last year with the Montreal Canadiens, will be significantly different in respect to the goals going in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a, what Suzuki Hoffman Caulfield on that first line. Ooh, I think I that's think one I, of the, that's one I of the really most lethal like lines. Line. Yeah. Obviously from the fan perspective, I don't see why anyone else would hate that line, but I, I from at least like, go, go on, Josh. Oh yeah,
1: The only thing I was going to say is uh, I was just going to add on what to Aiden, to what Aiden said quickly, Mario. Um, cause you was talking about how it kind of paid off, right? Uh, like taking that risk and not signing Tatar, and honestly, I'd I'd rather pay four point five for Hoffman than Tatar. As much as I love Tatar, I think Hoffman for for the same contract, but one year extra. I think I I I think that's a better gamble to take.
0: Yeah, three years for four point five is the contract, correct? For yeah, Mike Hoffman. Yeah, for
1: that 4.5 is four point five AAV. That's it's good.
0: Yeah, that's definitely uh what you want to hear from Mark Bergevin and the Montreal Canadiens taking that over Thomas Dittar. That is a uh like you mentioned, the better bet that they're going to be making. I think it's the safer bet when you're going with Mike Hoffman. I think he has a better track record. I want to say he's a little bit younger. I don't have the the stats uh, right in front of me or his I age or anything. I
1: think he's I think he's a little bit younger. Uh I think he might be in his I don't know. I don't know how old he is. I think he might be 20 28, 29. He's 31. Wow. He's older. That's I didn't a, know
0: he older. Yeah, that's a bit of a surprise. But hey, I he, mean, he doesn't he, play like he's older. That was about the same. One say. year difference. Yeah, yeah. One I mean, year difference doesn't does mean really too mean? much. Uh, he's been playing like he's uh, 25 to 26, 27-year-old. He's been terrific. for the. He, he was well for the St. Louis Blues, and he was even better for the Florida Panthers before that. Uh, he'll look to make a bigger impact now. And I noticed that we just changed the Tom Tar show here to the Mike Hoffman show, but I'm going to just focus it back and spin it around to the New Jersey Devils. Now this team, I think it's a little bit, and you can either agree with me, uh, go against me on this. I think this New Jersey Devils team has a decent shot. I don't think they're going to be all the way there, but I think it's going to be a bigger improvement than when we saw last season, when they finished second last uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a much better team that they got. And I think one of them that flies under the radar a bit, because, He just made so much money. There's Dougie Hamilton. He recently signed with the Devils. He's going to be quarterbacking that uh, defense for this team alongside, I'd assume, uh, P.K. Subban, maybe even Ty Smith. He's a pretty good piece there. And even Ryan Graves headed over to the uh, New Jersey Devils. So they're going to have the D pretty well stacked for that uh, top two lines there. And on the offense point of view, uh, an underrated player here, Pavel Zaka, I had him in fantasy uh, last year, he kept racking up the points from to the end of the year. He was a streaky player, and I think the New Jersey Devils have a lot of streaky players in their system right now, and they just keep adding more and more guys. I think Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes are definitely due to have some breakout years. So, I don't know, would, would you guys consider betting on this New Jersey Devils team for the upcoming season, or would you think you have to pump the brakes a little bit, wait it out, and see how these guys gel out first before you make any sort of uh, final decision of what this team's future is? Going to be. I'll start with you, Josh. What do you think of this New Jersey Devils squad with the addition of now Tatar and even uh, Dougie Hamilton before him?
1: Um, I, I'm. I think you're bang on. Uh, obviously, last year they were one of the teams in what was it the East Division? Uh, they were one of those teams that just got beat oh, up man. by all the by all the other solid teams. So I don't think it's going to be that case this year. I think they're going to put up a, a much better uh, record. But at the same time, I don't think. They're ready just yet. I think Jack Hughes is going to have a breakout year. I think, well, I was going to be my hot take. I was going to say Jack Hughes is going to have a huge breakout year and he's going to break all expectations because obviously people are saying he's a boss and all that, but he hasn't had anybody to truly play with. In his entire career, he's had almost nobody to play with. So I think this year is going to be his year where he finally shows up and playing, play, who knows, maybe playing with a guy like Tataru, a little more experienced, a little more skill, than other players who he played with in the past, I think that'll help a lot, but I don't think they're ready yet. I th- they're still pretty young, so they got they got a lot to they got a lot of time. But at the same time, I think you're pretty bang on, Mario. Uh, I don't think they're gonna make a, a like a, a playoff spot. If they do, it's gonna be like the last wild card by like, but it's like a long shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they obviously still long, young, like you mentioned. Uh, they have a couple years to improve, uh, get a little bit of a better system going, and making players want to come here. I don't know how many players really want to come to New Jersey with the track record that they've had over the last couple of seasons. But, and there is still a lot of question marks with this New Jersey Devils team, one of them so being the goaltending position. You're running a Mackenzie Blackwood-Jonathan Bernier tandem there. Uh, it's not the greatest tandem you think you'd want to go with. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood did struggle a little bit last season, a 14-17 and record, and he was battling a bit of injuries during that season as well. Uh, He did have a 902 save percentage. It's not terrible, but if you're looking to maybe take that bigger step forward, you're going to need this goaltending tandem to sort of show up big. You know how busy it gets on the goal path side of things when you're looking at the Metropolitan Division with all those high-danger scoring teams you're going to have to have a solid goaltender if you want to make have any chance on maybe i don't i wouldn't say going to the playoffs but taking a bigger step forward another team that i expect to see a bigger step forward and i'm actually excited to see this as well uh being the ottawa senators i think they're sort of in the same boat and i think if you're the new jersey devils you want to have that sort of stride forward replicate what the ottawa senators just had this past season uh dj smith's been a terrific coach for that Senators squad he's really led them through thick and thin he's been through the dog days there and he's Coming out a little bit on top, you've seen a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, and they got some good players around them, so I think the New Jersey Devils are right along with them, and I think we can expect to see some uh, high talent and high, I guess you could say valuable stuff coming from this Devil squad in this upcoming season, definitely a storyline to look for, and on the topic of storylines, I guess we'll turn into that right now, it's going to be the third topic, but I guess the segue was so perfect, we have to make it last now. What storyline, I'll start off with this. Uh, what storylines are you guys looking forward to the most? Start with you, Aiden. I mean, you got a big list to choose from right now. you got the Seattle Kraken. They're making their franchise debut in October. you got the Tampa Bay Lightning, looking for that three-peat. And they even have an even more lethal squad in front of them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that squad as well, in the Atlantic, mind you. and this Atlantic division in general, it's going to be a dogfight for that final spot. So which storyline are you looking forward to? Is it on this board that I just gave up? It's a couple quick answers, or is it something completely off and one of your own thoughts here?
2: Well, those are all good options, but I'm going to have to go with Seattle Kraken. First one. I think just anytime a new team comes into the league, there's a lot of uh, uncertainties. Definitely with from the expansion draft, a lot of people were left shaking their head saying, You know, what is this team actually going to do in the regular season? It's just, are they just tanking to get picks? Um, Obviously, through free agency, Seattle has been able to actually better both their forwards and their goaltending situation there. So they definitely look like a team that can be competitive. But then again, you never know until the season starts. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can do kind of what Vegas did, have a bunch of guys who – have that mindset that our team didn't really want us or didn't want to protect us. They didn't see us as that valuable. So maybe we'll show them and make this new team we're on competitive.
0: Absolutely. Obviously, an expansion draft is something to look forward to. Uh, Unfortunately, the expansion draft that we just witnessed over the last couple of weeks was all leaked before it even happened. But I mean, this expansion franchise is really what we're going to be looking forward to come October and come the fall. I'm really looking forward to one thing specifically that I'm glad that you mentioned the Kraken, but the one thing I'm really looking forward to is that rivalry between the Canucks and the Kraken. I think they're going to go head to head and uh, toe to toe with this rivalry. It's going to be great to see from a fan's point of view, uh, what this, these two teams can bring out from each other, obviously being so close geographically. uh, It's a perfect fit. I, I, one of my goals on my bucket list in the next couple of years, or when I get a little bit older, definitely go out West Coast and watch either a game in the Vancouver area or in Seattle, uh, depending on where they play, and see this rivalry come to life on the ice, which is going to be so fun to watch. They're in the Pacific Division. They're going to be going right at it for a lo- long group of time, and I think it's going to be a fun thing to see. Uh, Josh, I'll turn it over to you quickly as well. What are you looking forward to to see this uh, upcoming season?
1: Um, You know what? As much as I really like I really, I really like the Kraken, but I'm gonna switch it up just a little bit. I'm gonna go with the Atlantic Division because I, I don't, remember the last time we've seen a division like an Atlantic Division this dominant. Like, I think one thing that kind of makes me very excited for it is already everybody already sleeping on the Montreal Canadiens again, almost as if they didn't just go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, don't get me wrong, there's a possibility. They're gonna do what Dallas did, but I don't think that's gonna happen. With they just they just added more scoring talent to their team. So I think they're gonna be better than last year. And obviously, obviously, there's there's some players they lost that are here. one of them you can't replace is uh Che Weber, but at the same time that opens up a new captaincy spot, and I swear. you take my word for this. If Gallagher is not the next captain, I'm not a Habs fan anymore. Okay. He deserves it out of more than any player on that team. But yeah, the main reason I want to see this is people I've seen like a bunch of lists and people are already putting the Ottawa senators ahead of Montreal in the standings. I'm like, I'm reading, I'm looking at it. Like these people don't watch hockey. Clearly not. So, I mean, I th- at first I was thinking Boston would be weak. Then through free agency, they pull some stuff out of their asses, and now they're looking like a, like, like a really, really good team again. Uh, Tampa obviously still looking – picking up Corey Perry, which is huge for them. Uh, that made me want to cry. Um, the Leafs obviously still going to be dominant next season during the regular season. Um there's just there's just so many good teams. Florida, they're look they're gonna they're gonna be good still. It's it's there's so much to compete for. I think both wild card, see. I think both wild cards are gonna be a an uh, a, an Atlantic division, but who knows? We'll we'll see. But that that's what I'm really excited for. Even though I'm super excited for Seattle, I'm just not as excited as I was for like Vegas a few years ago.
0: And I mean, I want to just. I obviously side with everything you're saying, but I want to just quickly focus here on the Atlantic division. I know me and I, Boney last week kind of got into it a little bit about the Atlantic, how it's going to look up and uh, what teams are going to finish where and who's going to be a little bit stronger than other ones. And I mean, I think this division is going to be the hardest one. It's going to be the AL East of hockey. And I think it's been that way for quite a while. I think this year is where it's going to be uh, hitting the head here. You got so many talented teams in that one division, you're looking at the Florida Panthers coming off a terrific year and their offense. Uh, me and Iboni were going at it the other week as well. It, it's gotten so much better with this uh, Reinhardt's now there. Uh, they've extended a bunch of their other guys that were uh, putting the puck in the back of the net for that squad. So they're going to be very offensive. You look at the Boston Bruins. You mentioned this, Josh, in your uh, discussion there. Uh, they had mentioned they brought in so many key parts as well. And they pulled stuff out of absolutely nowhere. You're absolutely right with that as well. Uh, I didn't expect the Boston Bruins to do make too much noise at the free agency, but uh, they really turned themselves into a competitive threat, and so much so that last week, I know you guys weren't on the show, but I was going at it with Iboni saying, do you think this Boston Bruins team can overthrow the uh, or dethrone rather the Tampa Bay Lightning for that first spot? Now he obviously he had uh, quite other blunt ideas like he always does. Uh, he was like, "Get out of here, get out of town." I don't know what you're talking about. Me, I'm like, "Well, listen, we got it. They have some skill here. You're looking at their goaltending tandem now. Uh, I, I really don't think Tuka Rask is going to resign. I don't know if Boston really wants him back. I know you got that loyalty thing and everything there, but I don't think Tuka Rask is the answer. He's getting up there in age, and he's not the goalie that he once was i guess you could say but the pieces that they brought in so uh high level you mentioned eric Halla, uh no all these players who no go sack, under the radar
1: felino yeah uh, exactly linus olmark that was a big signing for goaltending
0: yeah and they brought in uh all those players that you mentioned and undermine players not like not really guys that we look at too much not only on the show but in the general media these guys get really overlooked and their production speaks for themselves but uh that was the conversation I had with Ibony but seeing that the Montreal Canadiens were ranked a little bit lower than the Ottawa Senators I, I don't understand that too much and it's something it brings something that I really wanted to ask you Josh uh I haven't seen it personally since I don't really follow the Habs being such a big Leafs fan but uh, I know you have seen the Montreal Canadiens go through so many stages in their uh roster they have a goal scoring uh threat now a goal scoring line which is uh It's gonna be playing top minutes, unlike last year, where it was the No and Tatar taking up those top minutes and shutting down teams. Now you don't have that big defensive line anymore. Is this is this something that worries you? Are you excited for this new sign of culture that's hitting up the team? You got Cole Caulfield now coming off of his a great playoff run for him in a couple games in the regular season. He's going to open up the regular season this uh this time around and I think it's going to be a pretty good show that he's going to be putting on with those fans in Montreal. But what do you make of this team now? They got a goal-scoring line instead of a defensive line. Does this scare you, worry you, or are you is this exactly what you want to see from this Montreal Canadiens team?
1: Um I mean, I don't think their defensive line's gone. They obviously lost DeNoe, but Lekkonen resigned and so did uh so did I mean Gallagher resigned the year before, but that line's still relatively there. They just gotta find. I think. I think they actually added uh, Matthew Perot, which I love at Matthew the Perreault. end of the, the it's Matt. It's either Matthew Perot or Cedric Paquette. So either way, it's still a defensive line, and it's still gonna be a, like an, a line full of energy. So I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think they're taking a huge hit, especially for how cheap they got those two players. But uh, the reason I'm saying they're better is because I'm very excited to see a goal scoring line. I don't remember the last time I've seen. Of like a dot, like a just just a just a straight up goal scoring line, and hoping hope I'm assuming it's going to be Hoffman, Caulfield and Suzuki. That that makes me pretty that that excites me just a little bit because it's 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 it looks like a good line. It's, it, I think it's going to be top ten line. I, I, top ten, top fifteen. Who knows? It depends on how Caulfield pans out though. We haven't seen enough of him, so I can't really uh, I can't. He's looking like he's going to be a very, very good player in the future. Maybe he already looks like it now. Um, Obviously, Mike Hoffman has got a pretty good reputation for himself. Besides his his ex-girlfriend, yeah. No, talking about goal scoring, though. um, Yeah, I think I think they're going to be the number one line. And overall, I just don't I don't see Montreal being worse than last year. The only reason is the only reason. Sorry, the only factor that might effect that is such a stacked Atlantic division. Like if, if you look at every, like, like I mentioned a lot of the teams, the only team that really just sucks are the Sabres, but the Red Wings, I think they got a lot better over the offseason. Stevie, why this, <laughs> this guy's a wizard. The kids are I don't going. know. Holy shit. This it's unbelievable. Uh, Stevie y is making Detroit go from a, terrible team for like a long time to like actually looking pr- having a promising future and then obviously I, was just, I don't think Ottawa's going to be above Montreal. Ottawa's getting good too so they got a promising future as well but you know what I, I think the, the thing that I'm, I'm getting a little off topic and I'm rambling a little bit but <laughs> moral of the story I think that Caulfield line is going to be that Caulfield Suzuki Hoffman line if that's what it is is going to be very dominant, and that's going to change Montreal's play style a lot, a lot.
0: Yeah, and the Montreal Canadiens are an interesting spot as we sit here on August the 8th, uh, seeing where they are right now in the roster that they're going to look like right now to throw out on the opening night. They, they've lost a lot of pieces. I don't think you can deny that. Shea Weber was no. a big loss, the captaincy spot there. Carey Price, I guess you could say he's lost right now because he's going to be injured for the start of the year. Uh, Paul Byron's also going to, I think it's Paul Byron, or is it our Yeah, 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 Paul injured?
1: Byron, Paul Byron, Paul yeah, Byron. Yeah, so
0: Paul Byron's going to be injured. So, yeah, they have lost a bunch, but you did mention, and this is, I think I have to give it to Bergevin here, he brought in some peace. And let the Montreal get out, uh Sort of running a bit, because it's going to be a struggle with these guys gone. I think Bergevin made a little bit up for it in his signings, but I think overall, briefly, I think it'd be a it's, it's not, not like really something to hear from people talking about Cole Caulfield because of how terrific he's been, but it's simply because of how terrific he's been. Can he keep up to that level? I mean, he didn't have any anticipate, anticipation, but we didn't have a very high expectations of Cole Caulfield when he has to play his first 10 games, half of it being in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, we didn't expect him to put up all these points that he was and scoring all the goals that he did. So everything he did broke the ceiling and really sur- not surprised us, but... Uh, it was just great to see. It's going to be interesting to see how the other teams in the Atlantic and, of course, the National Hockey League stack up to Cole Caulfield. I know they've probably watched so much video on him and what he does. Are they going to learn how to shut him down, and how is he going to respond to that? How is Caulfield going to face some adversity? Uh, I think that's one of the biggest storylines I'll be looking into this season, both in the Atlantic Division and the Montreal Canadiens, respect, respectively. Just the Cole Caulfield, can he get shut down, and how we react to the players around him and how the Montreal Canange will react with Cole Caulfield now starting off his first, I guess, official NHL season with the team. But my this final storyline, I'm going to turn it over to you, and we haven't really talked about, or you haven't really talked too much in the show. I'm going to turn it over right when we get to Darnell Nurse. But the one storyline I'm looking forward to, just briefly, is the up-and-coming rise of these young teams. Like you mentioned before, the New Jersey Devils, this Detroit Red Wings team with Stevie Y. He's done a terrific job down there. Uh, has really changed this team and has made it look like they can not have a shot of making a playoff. So obviously that's getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves, but decently compete and put up some hard fought matches against other opponents in this Atlantic division, maybe spoil some plans and including in that list is the Ottawa senators. I think they're a up and coming group. I wouldn't put go that far and put them above the Montreal Canadians. I don't think they're there just yet, but give it a year's time, maybe even two years and you can see this team both in the playoffs and making a decent run. But I'm looking forward to the upcoming rise of these teams, see how they react with these big fish in the Atlantic. And what are we going to see from these guys? I'm hoping to see better competition from the Ottawa Senators, maybe build off of what they did last season. And, of course, the Devils taking a bigger step forward and Detroit Red Wings seeing what they can do. I have a big soft spot for the Detroit Red Wings. It's weird to say because the Leafs really go at it with that rivalry with Detroit, but uh, it is what it is. I enjoy watching them, and I think a lot of fans are going to enjoy watching them this season but what fans haven't really been enjoying enjoying watching and you could throw edmonton fans in the mix as well ken hall and making these I, I, I i'm gonna assume both of you on the same page here with these questionable moves i think this darnell nurse signing just adds to the flame here i'm gonna get into it just briefly and give you the stats here uh darnell nurse just recently signed a big contract for the edmonton oilers eight years massive term the most you can get for 74 million dollars Uh, the AAV of $9.25 million per year. Uh, And he was scheduled to hit free agency next season, but Ken Holland and the Oilers just wasted no time in locking him up. 16 goals, 20 assists, uh, cast his headline for his stat line, through 56 games last season. That was a season-high for Darnell Nurse. Now, he averaged the most ice time on the team as well, uh, and the big question mark for him was his defensive play. It wasn't always there every night. He was sort of more offensive-minded than defensive-minded at times and didn't really help in the back end too much on that top unit for the Edmonton Oilers. And before we dissect this contract what it means to this team and probably take a bit of jabs at Ken Holland with this deal, but is, is Darnell Nurse sort of in the same realm as having that McDavid effect. I mean, you look at what he's done last season with the points he put up, obviously being a season high, a career high for him. Does McDavid play a massive role in that or is yes. nurse just turning for the better? I'm going to turn this over. I guess I'll start with Aiden. Cause we have yeah, too much screen time here, but yes, Aiden, uh, what do you think is Darnell nurse turning a new leaf? Are we seeing a bit more production from him, only him, or is it just McDavid feeding him the puck or him feeding McDavid? And that's sort of why, uh, the points speak for themselves.
2: Uh, I mean, listen, McDavid obviously has an effect on every player on that team <laughs> because he's the best player in the league. So you could pretty much say that about any player on that team. That obviously, since he's playing with McDavid, he's going to have so, so much more stats. But with Nurse, I don't really think that was that much of the case last season. I mean, Ooh,
0: controversy. Nurse, did...
2: Nurse on. played on the power play somewhat. It was mostly Barry for most of the season playing on that top power play. So Nurse really only played with McDavid five on five. So if you're saying that five on five, McDavid had that much of an effect on Nurse, then yeah, obviously he will have helped him boost his stats a little bit. But again, you could say that about literally any player on that team. I think Nurse definitely made a huge improvement last season. He had three more points than last season in 15 less games. So obviously there he improved. And he also went from a player who was usually around even when it came to plus minus, but last year he actually stepped it up and became plus 27 and lowered his penalty minutes. So, I mean, I think what Ken Holland was doing with this deal, he's betting on that Darnell nurse is going to keep making these giant improvements in his play, which it's definitely risky. I mean, you're giving them nine and a half million when you already have guys like McDavid and Dry Saddle making, uh, I think it's over 10 for both of them, if not 10 for Dry Saddle and 11 for McDavid. But you got a lot of money going to these three guys. And obviously, McDavid and Dry Saddle, you know who they are throughout the season and not so much in the playoffs. These guys are going to keep scoring, they're going to score like madmen put up these insane numbers, six-point games, leave you scratching your head. That's why they're making these big numbers. But with Darnell Nurse, can he become a guy like that? I don't know. Maybe down the future, this won't be that much of a bad deal if the cap does go up. But I think we've definitely been seeing a lot of these big deals lately, and most of them are definitely questionable.
0: And just before I turn this over to you, Josh, it's – Sort of the, I would go all the way back to Seth Jones setting the tone for the deals that are respectable amongst top defensemen for your team. And this is what I'm a little scared about. I'm going to tie the Leafs into this as well. Uh, Morgan Riley is the Leafs top defenseman. How much money is he going to be asking for when he comes around to the contract talks next season? He is on his final year uh, this season. It's going to just be interesting what he's going to be asking for. You look at Nurse here. Eight years is $74 million, and he's not the only player on this Edmonton Oilers team, like you mentioned, Aiden, that doesn't have that long term. Like, you look at Zach Hyman, who just recently hit the Edmonton Oilers uh, roster sheet. He's making a big long term. I believe it's seven years or eight years, one of the two. I know they were trying to get him for the max, but uh, McDavid as well, I think he's got five more years left. Dreisaitl's got a lot of time with this team. So many players on term, it's like, yeah, these guys have produced the season before. You're taking a big bet on that, but... When's this when's the levy gonna break? When's the this term gonna sort of eat up Ken Holland? This is what I'm a little worried about, and I think Edmonton Oilers fans would side with me on this. He's just throwing out money left, right, and center and massive term. I don't know, Josh, I'll turn this over to you. Do you agree with the Uh, sort of deal? Do you think it was a little too much? Because I was talking with Iboni last week because it was sort of rumored this signing would happen. And me and him were on the same page of this term is not acceptable, especially for a guy like Darnell Nurse. Yes, he takes the quarterbacks, that defensive end. Yes, he puts up points and he averages the most ice time on the team. And he does play well with McDavid and the star players there. And I'm going to assume he's going to play better with Zach Hyman, but this amount of term, and I don't know if it's going to be sustainable. That's what you look at when you're talking about term, sustainability. How sustainable is Darnell Nerves going to be in eight years? Because that's what you have him for now. Do you like the deal, Josh? Is it something that interests you? Or what are your thoughts on this deal? Because I don't want really to get too much on that tangent. This Edmonton Oilers team definitely has me, like Aiden you mentioned, scratching my head.
1: Um, I don't like it at all. I think it's a terrible contract. Way overpay. I mean, to be honest, I blame, I blame Seth Jones. I blame Seth Jones. Because he got overpaid, and then Zach Wierenski got overpaid, and then everybody got overpaid. And now, t- take in Kale McCarr is getting paid less than Darnell Nurse, um, that, Zach that's rid- that's ridiculous, and, and and Seth Jones by over half a mil. It makes no sense. They, I, I don't know how to put it into words. It's, I don't like it. Don't get me wrong. I, I think, I, I, you know what? I'm going to agree to an extent with Aiden. You know what? Darnell Nurse did step up his game a lot and has quarterback the Oilers, but everybody plays better with uh, Darnell Nurse. I mean, uh, with uh, – what's his name?
0: Connor McDavid. With uh,
1: Connor McDavid, the best player in the in the league. But, my goodness. Um, I don't I, – I just – he's played really good for one season. It's way too quick. We haven't even seen. Maybe it's just one year where he just plays super good, and then the next year he goes back down. Or he keeps improving. It's it's such a gamble that Ken Holland shouldn't have taken. He's overpaying a lot of players. The only player that deserves the money that they're getting on the Oilers, that's like a, that you could consider an overpay, but it's not an overpay. because Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. He's getting paid 12 mil. But, I mean, it just frustrated me when I saw that because I'm like, you have 30 mil in cap space to spend, and you ruined it all. You ruined it.
0: Mm-hmm. but would would you would you throw in you mentioned overpay with mcdavid obviously rightfully so you will always overpay a guy who's putting up 100 oh, almost every year but I, I would you even th- consider
1: an overpay sorry would
0: you throw would you throw in zach hyman's name as an overpay
1: um i'd you know what it might be controversial but i'll say yes oh, um uh, no 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 listen 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 uh if you look at other players who get their money other players uh, I'll, I'll compare him to Blake Coleman the I, I think I think it's, it's hard to tell with Zach Hyman because you haven't seen him play by himself before he's always played with superstars last year he played with uh obviously Mitch Marner and uh Austin Matthews playing with those guys you should be up there in stats with them just like I think one player that really disappointed me last year was Jesse Pulleyrv. He played with McDavid the whole, almost the whole year, and didn't put up. He put up almost no stats. At this point, at that rate, like uh, Hyman should have been pretty high in the stat sheet just look just based off of how many goals Austin Matthews scored, and how many points Mitch Marner had. The fact that he, I had him on my fantasy. I love I love Zach Hyman, but I think players like. Him and players like Dano got way overpaid. Dano scores way less than Zach Hyman, but Dano also did did not play with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. So I think, I think great. I think on, I think it's hard to tell. I per- personally, I think he should have got paid 4.5, 5 at max, but it's also long term. So who knows? Maybe he's going to keep playing police keep playing really good, but he was also injured last year. And ah, like I said, it's probably a little controversial, but I think Ken Holland's overpaying. I don't know why everybody's getting overpaid this year. And it just doesn't make sense.
0: Well, I mean, overpayment has been the storyline of this off season. That's there's no disputing that you look at Seth Jones, who was the catalyst for all this sort of jazz. that's sort of ensued. You look at uh, now Darnell nurse being the forefront of discussion on this podcast here being overpaid as a defenseman and a top line defenseman at that. But Josh, I I don't do this very often. I, I'd have to disagree with you with the Zach Hyman thing. You didn't bring up some <laughs> good points. But uh I mean you mentioned he's going to play you mentioned like well it's how we're gonna see him on his own. Uh and you mentioned him playing with Matthews and Marner him being at the f- forefront of uh the stat line sheet that he should be putting up that amount of points with uh playing with the likes of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And of course I totally agree with you there but the reason why he's getting that overpay, I wouldn't even say it's an overpay. I think he's earned every dollar he's made because of the style he's made. Uh, he's he sort of re- resembled. There's no guy you can compare Zach Hyman to in this league, in my opinion. I think he's the guy that players want to compare Ooh. themselves to. Uh, that's Ooh. just personally me. I'm a big Zach Hyman guy, as you guys all know. I've been like that since he's arrived to this bit. team. Yeah, just a little bit of a bias. But still, I think, the, uh, I think the gist of it is pretty simple. He's going to the Edmonton Oilers to play alongside... Connor mcdavid and even on that power play uh leon dreisaitl tyson berry darnell nurse the guys who are going to put up points he's going to be the one feeding them the puck i i think the money for zach hyman i don't want to go too much on a rant on him because this is sort of our darnell nurse segment but i i personally think hyman deserved every dollar he made i know the leafs wanted to give him that money they obviously didn't have that money available at this given time and i don't want to put that blame on dubis but i think zach hyman was a terrific addition was it a little bit too much on the term side of things? I absolutely agree there. I think Ken Holland's throwing term like like it's candy here. Uh, Zach is not going to be the same player. Uh, in I eight years. In, in eight years. He will not be doing the same things. I say he's going to run out of gas maybe by year five or six. And at I think that's mo- a f- –
1: like that's, 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 like that's, that's even being generous. That's, that's being generous. generous. Yeah. But, Let's see, 27, 28?
0: Exactly. But what you're getting from Zach Hyman in the upcoming years, I think that's worth the money that he'll be making. And Aiden, I really want to let you speak because I can't stand hearing you quiet over there. But you mentioned that you sort of sided with Ken Holland and this deal that he made with Darnell Nurse. And I just want to bring it back and tie it into the sort of what we mentioned. I know you mentioned this, Josh. Kill my is making less nine money. Mil. Yeah, nine mil. Less money than Darnell Nurse. That that one blows my mind. I think Victor Hedman is also making less money than Darnell Nurse. What do you make of that, Aiden? Does this change your viewpoint whatsoever about this contract, or are you really still banking on this? The He did have a terrific season. We have to give him that, but the sustainability is going to be the big question. Do you see any sustainability in, coming out of Darnell Nurse's camp?
2: I mean, as long as he doesn't follow with injuries throughout his, his years, I think he can definitely keep up what he's been doing. He is a a workhorse when it comes to ice time. So I don't know if he'll be able to sustain the type of role he's in for that long. But I definitely think that just the style of play he has is definitely sustainable. So whether that gives him success long term or not, I'm not too sure. But I definitely could see him being maybe worth, maybe close to worth the contract. If the cap goes up, I mean, if we're looking at seven, seven, eight years down the line, nine point five million is that going to be the highest contract? I don't think so. I think that's going to be like a mid, mid-level contract there, where that's we just, see some guys. That's the sad thing. <laughs> which is, which is actually kind of crazy. You think that nine and a half million is like a, a mid-level player to get paid that much? I think Kale McCarr. What they did there was. They skipped right over a bridge deal. They decided to give him nine mil up front, which honestly is not bad at all for what True he's always. capable of. And considering that was only his first full season. So, I mean, if you want to see this guy just tear up the NHL for the next eight years, making less than Seth Jones and uh, Darnold Nurse, both two guys who are older than and him. And Zach Wierenski. And Wierenski. I mean, some they're just very ambitious on these players.
1: Like, like I said, I blame Seth Jones for all of this. All of this. All of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would be a fair blame. I mean, he's the one who set the – he was the first defenseman, at least this offseason, that set the tone here for these players signing these massive contracts. And you mentioned eight and nine and a nine-and-a-half is not going to look – it's going to look like a middle-aged uh, sort of thing, something that like, oh, okay, he made nine-and-a-half. He might have got him for a deal. Uh, that's gonna, that's, that's what I'm not looking forward to. This game's, it's a money game, right? The, the NHL is a business just like any other sport. Uh, when you compare these sort of money, the money that these hockey players are making compared to other players and other athletes in other sports, it's absolutely nothing. But this 9.25 million that Darnell Nurse is making, I don't think it's going to age very well, especially with this term. And I think this is a commitment Ken Holland is going to live and die for. Uh, or he's going to live by it or he's going to die by it. It's, you look at I, We didn't even mention his name. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, guys. Eight-year contract, $41 million. That's another big term, max term deal that the Ken Holland and the Edmonton Oilers sided on. So I think Ken Holland's in it for the long run. Is it going to pay off? I think, obviously, there's nothing else I could really say, but we'd have to wait and see. Uh, the early return right now, when you're looking at Darnell Nurse, yeah, he had a great season. The return there is going to be good. Ryan Eugene Hopkins put up career numbers last season. The return is going to be good next season, hopefully. Uh, McDavid, he earned every money, he, every dollar he makes, putting up 100 points every year. You look at Zach Hyman. I know, Josh, you're a little controversial on it, but I totally think he earned <laughs> uh, every dollar he made, and he's added for terms. So I think depending on what we say here, what you say, Josh, what you say, Aiden, I think we can all side on this. Ken Allen is in it for the long run with this term. And it's either going to leave him on the curb jobless or make him the richest GM in the National Hockey League and maybe have some silverware uh, during that streak. And I'm glad that we spent uh, a bit of time on this Edmonton Oilers team. Uh, I think on this Leafs Line podcast, we spent more time talking about three teams than the Leafs. The uh, Boston Bruins here, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Montreal Canadiens. We spent much more time on our show over the last couple of months talking than the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's... uh, what an age it is for the National Hockey League, the age of sports, and what we've been seeing from this episode of the Least Line Podcast. And I guess we'll quickly turn it over to our hot take segment of the show to finish things off. I did mention off the top of the show, it's going to be a shorter one here, and I think we've stayed true to those markings. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys both have hot takes here? or uh, I know I have mine. Uh, do you guys both have one of those? I've created one. Oh, okay. A, mid, a mid-pod creation of the hot take.
2: I'd I love mm-hmm. to see it. You want to go you first, my the- man? Sure. You said the team and then I immediately thought of all the things they had required and made a very, very hot, very very spicy hot take. Alright, so before I say this, I wanna give you a disclaimer. Not to look too much not to look too much into it.
1: Alright, we let, let's not say anything. Just I you know what? Don't, don't 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 make any comments. I just wanna I wanna just just give just your, say your reaction, you. all right? Say it.
2: Okay. Ready? The Florida Panthers win the Stanley Cup next season. Oh. Listen, I know they lost Keith Yandel. I know their defense is kind of looking like it's uh, not the strongest it's ever been. It's in kind of shambles right now. But if you look at their their forwards, I mean, just to name off some guys, Barkov, Huberdeau, Bennett, Hart. Hornquist, Duclair, Verhage, Vertrano, Achari. I mean, that's like seven guys you could just slot actually, in the fourth actually, first line whenever you want.
1: I said I want to make a comment, but you know what? I'm not sure. That's a shoe.
2: This uh, is a team that I think and can outscore, like, majority of the league.
1: And they got there Spencer Knight exceptions. in that now.
2: Yeah. Spencer Knight, he's probably going to be the only variable for this team because you definitely cannot rely on
1: uh, only goal, Yeah. But like they're good. They have a good defensive, like uh, forward core.
2: You can't rely on the boy Bobrovsky to like uh, get Bring you a in cup. a competitive position in the playoffs or in the regular season. Really? I think Spencer Knight is going to have to be the guy you go to most of the time. And you're probably going to have to outscore most of the teams you're playing against. But I think this is definitely a lineup which is capable of doing it. They've got so many pieces up front now. So many young guys, too. I mean, if it weren't for their defense being so, yeah. like, utterly – it is really a shambles. Like, I'm looking at the pairings <laughs> right now. Like, you've got Uyghur, Ekblad. Like, that's not a bad That's, that's not, not bad, bad at all. Pairing. That's a good pairing. And then – immediately drops off to Nudivara and Montour. Oof. Then Forsling and Gudis. That bottom four pairing, not it for this team. So <laughs> that's why I'm saying that if they are going to win the cup, they're just going to have to be bearing the puck in the heavy every game.
0: Can I intervene? <laughs> yes. Aiden. Aiden. Right. uh So you mentioned the Florida Panthers. I'm a big fan of the Florida Panthers. I love supporting them. Their offense, I said it on this show, you can quote me and you can rewind this podcast to see when I said this Florida Panthers team is one of the most lethal threats on the offensive side of things. Can you name me one team in the last, I'd say, 15 years because I don't think I've ever seen this before, win a Stanley Cup by outscoring every single opposition in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Can you name me one? Um...
1: The Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, Tampa
0: no, didn't no, Somewhat. Tampa has a good defensive core and a Vesna candidate of a goal. But
1: they also did outscore Florida. And then they outscored. Uh, Technically, Carolina. when you win something, and you that, have
0: to outscore the other team.
1: No, 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 no. But I mean, like, if you look at. Best example would be that one game against Florida. I mean, uh, against. Uh, what's it called? Carolina, where they scored, like, what was there? Eight goals in one period. Yeah, that was a game, though. That was Aiden's an outstanding game.
0: Stanley Cup championship. Okay. Um, you have to win 16 how many games, of
1: those. Okay, against Florida. How many games did Tampa win? Like 6-5, five, like 5-4, five, like 6-2. Like, all of it quick, was high score games. Look how games,
0: quickly so. they, they're, they're, they changed when they hit the second, third round. They played so much more of a tighter game. Because so they we, had to we, play we kept, against. There we go. We, they have to play like that to win a championship. We all know sure. defense is the name of the game in the playoffs. If I mean, I know Aiden, this is a big hot take, so I'm not trying to rip on you here, but it's just a, it's just a fact when you hit the playoffs and that switch turns, and you, we all know the first round of the playoffs is all offensive. There's no disputing that. You're going to see, that's why everyone watches the first round of the playoffs because there's so many goals, so many high scoring games, and great hockey games to watch. Yet the second, third, and final round, you, it's so slow. Not slow, but it's it's so defensive. Defense. Exactly. If you're looking at this Florida Panthers team and it stays intact, there's so many variables, obviously. You need to have Spencer Knight. You mentioned he's a big variable, Aiden. You're going to have to have him stand on his head if you're going to have any chance of outscoring a team. And you also have to mention there's going to be trade deadlines and all that kind of stuff. Who, If the Florida Panthers pick guys up in the middle of the season, they're going to help that back end. Of course, it's going to be more than a possibility. But with the roster they got right now, the players that you named right now, Aiden, that defensive end that you named right now, uh, that first pairing is not bad at all but you, you go down that list nothing special so I don't think but this I mean this it,
1: I don't think their their forward core is pretty decent defensively just they, they had the sulky winner.
0: Like, oh yeah
1: that is true. you well, can't you can't rel- say have, they don't have bad defense no. their if, their defensemen if, are very not that good. But okay, no, I, I'd say I'd say their second line, their second line defense pairing should be a third line, would be a good third line defense pairing, but it's not a second line defense, pairing. right? That's but the way you, I see it.
0: You have you can't depend on your obviously you mentioned the Selkie winner, uh, on the Florida Panther. Who was that? Barkov? Yes,
1: You can't, no, I'm joking, no, no, but no, no, I was no, joking, I was joking, but it was Barkov,
0: <laughs> you it. can't, uh, I think this is just a fact you can't have your forwards no, you relying on uh, defending for an entire Stanley Cup. Uh, playoff run, unless you're Philip know. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's a hot take for a reason, right? And I think we're the one thing that we're doing with this one is really overlooking into what Aiden just said. And man, Aiden, you really had to lay it on when Iboni he wasn't here. You get a nice uh, smack in the face next time he saw you. Uh, I uh, think
1: I think. Uh, you, you know,
2: that's what you get when you make a podcast. <laughs> make a hot take mid-podcast, you know? It might not be the most not accurate, but... Guess what? If it happens, I'll look like a genius. So you're spitballing my man. And uh not
1: You're gonna look like Iboni when he said the Leafs make the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay, yeah, my hot take. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was his hot take. He Ow. said he said
1: he said he said, Ouch. I, he said when the Leafs went up 3 1 in the series, he goes, My hot take is that the Leafs make the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, they lost three straight. Um my <laughs> same thing. <laughs> my hot take. Uh I said it earlier in the episode, but um i think jack hughes is gonna have a massive breakout season and get at least i think he's gonna get 60 to 70 points next season he's gonna be a a a very very good player that's it i mean
2: well i mean
0: there's nothing wrong i think you're absolutely correct i think I, I, I i i i would love to see that come from uh from him, I mean, we haven't seen anything breakthrough wise
2: or Look know,
1: everybody's calling him a bust already.
2: Well, I mean, <laughs> so I, think, I think he's look at Stamkos, he did like the same thing Hughes did for like I think it was his first season or his first few seasons. Now, look, like, he's just won two Stanley Cups.
1: Looking one for one of three. them, he didn't play in, but
2: the only, the only yeah. one
0: standing in front of Stamkos's way is the Florida Panthers, apparently. Of course,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, Don't but uh, sleep on for Hagee, oh, an Ontario boy Carter he
1: Hagee. He's so good. He, I'm pretty sure, he is from Toronto.
2: No, but
0: uh, I mean, now he's got some more skill to play around, right, Josh? I mean, uh, the New Jersey Devils, we were harping on him, uh, to open up the show with Tom Tatar. I think Tatar is going to help him, uh, extremely in his growth as a player. And I think we're going to see, I'm hoping to see a breakout, uh, performance from him because. We haven't seen anything of the likes come from him since he's been drafted. I, I was one of the sole player, sole fans, I guess you could say, that sort of yelled bust uh, during his couple seasons in the NHL. But let, let's hope the tides turn in New Jersey and for this player. And it would be a great thing to hear and a great thing to see on a hockey's perspective. But my hot take is uh, it's pretty uh, straightforward here. I have the Flyers finishing ahead of the Washington Capitals in the uh, upcoming season. Now, I mean,
1: um, that's
0: this one, jump. That's a, uh, wow, this,
1: okay. it,
0: it, it's a big jump. You are absolutely correct. Holy. <laughs> the, the only reason why I say this, and I think we were talking about this a little bit on prior episode. I want to go all the way to episode, I want to say 23, when the Flyers are making all those moves, their back end is is pretty solid. Their forward group is, I think, has the ability to get it done. And I I don't know. I I think the defense is going to weigh what the Washington Capitals are going to have to offer. Offer, offer. And uh, I don't know. I think I'm just a little bit spitballing here. But I think that defensive end, I think the Flyers are one of the biggest winners from the offseason thus far. Uh, They've really revamped their team and turned it all the way around after a horrible season that they're coming off of last year. But I think they have a decent shot at finishing above the Capitals in the Metro. And, uh, I guess we'll have to see if time, what time prevails and what we see. I think we'll look mid season, see how that works out. But I think it's a legit, uh, a legit conversation to have the fl- fl- flyers have a lot of pieces that they can use to their advantage. And you could even argue that it's a little bit better than the Washington capitals, but we'll have to wait and see. And man, guys, we had a, we had a lot of, uh, spicy hot takes today. Of course, when Iboni's not here and, uh, to t- t- stay on the topic of Iboni here, you remember when he had that hot take of, uh, he almost nailed this one. Carey Price going to the Kraken.
2: hmm Yeah, yeah. that, that was, was going to happen.
0: <laughs> I can't so believe it. Like,
2: I saw them. Oh, my God. George Springer hit a...
0: Gotcha! <laughs> oh <my> God, what <laughs> are You're you watching? about
2: baseball.
0: <laughs> you should have that joined the Round like... Tripper podcast yesterday if you want to talk baseball, my man. I
2: was I was just watching him hit the, uh, the walk off, wasn't it? They came back down it. 7-2. Wait, they won? They came won? back? They came yeah. back? They came back. That like, they nice won nine, like, eight. Okay, what? what?
1: Okay. They got, I mean, uh holy in the in, okay, the, Jays, in the seventh and eighth off. inning, they got five runs. Holy.
0: They're in a they're they're in a good spot, uh, the Blue Jays. I mean, we'll mix some baseball into here before we conclude things. But yeah, the Blue Jays uh going for that wild card spot in the American League. The Red Sox. I mean, they're doing a great job of it in that series. I think they just uh yeah, they just won. Three to one, one series. Three
1: one series against the Red Sox. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's uh, things are looking bright in Toronto. I mean, they got the, they got the right pieces. Uh, they added they equipped themselves at the deadline to make a bit, bit of a push. They got the green light from management. Rogers and Atkins went out to go spend, and he's getting rewarded. Barrios has been terrific. Brad Hand has been terrific. Uh, these players, they're just gelling together. The the youth is really stepping up and take in guys. They won this game without Bo Bichette, so uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Yeah, the, the adversity hey. has been uh, conquered for this series and sof- something to look forward to and something to look forward to as well would be episode 26 of the Least Line Podcast. When we go back at it next Sunday, hopefully, maybe even next Monday, depending on how the schedule works out. But that concludes episode 25 of the Least Line Podcast. Again, I am the host, Mary Russo, and joining me for this episode was now Ada McCullough and Joshua Levesque. Uh, that's about it. It was the dog days of the offseason. Let's hope next week fares a little bit better. But that is it for me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Least Line Podcast. Join us next week when we talk about maybe uh, the Florida Panthers winning the next cup, the next three cups. We'll see how far this one goes. But that does it for me, Mary Russo, joined by Ada McCullough, Joshua Levec. I hope you guys all have a great rest of your evening. Cheers, everyone.